Hello and welcome to our podcast in the days of Noor with me Noor where we talk about Islamic related topics and social issues. So if you're listening online on YouTube then just know that you can also listen to just the audio on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So if you want to subscribe there if you're ever on the go and you want to take a listen then you can also subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Now on SoundCloud just like on YouTube it's going to be under our general Fig and Olive blog channel whereas on iTunes then it's just in the days of Noor. So We wanted to talk about this idea of marriage being akin to slavery. And I know it sounds strange to even talk about because this is 2019 and we're in America or the West. I know some of my listeners aren't in the West, so my apologies if this isn't completely relevant to you. But even then, I... I don't know that most places actually treat marriage as some kind of slavery, as some kind of ownership of men over women. But but Allahu Alam, I know that places vary. So I can only speak about the West for a moment. So I came across someone's Twitter thread. And interestingly enough, I wrote a tweet on sort of in response on my page saying that I find the phenomenon of the happily married angry feminists very interesting and it's also unfortunate to me because what there are a lot of women whatever feminists want to say about marriage there are a lot of women pretty much most who do aspire to be married And so if someone has achieved this aspiration of married and happily married, instead of degrading the institution, they should really want to tell other people how they can do it. Now, I'm not saying it's necessary for everyone who's happily married to be giving out advice. No, it's your prerogative. But if you are in a position or you are in a state where you want to give advice, I think it's really unfortunate to hold on to this feminist view of the patriarchy and men being a part of that patriarchy and wanting to oppress women and oppressing them through marriage when the interesting situation in our society and why it's so interesting that the modern feminist talks like this and thinks like this is that everyone in in America with I'm sure some rare exceptions but in general, everyone in America gets married because they want to be married, right? No one is forcing people to get married in the West, in America. You choose marriage because you loved the person. So that's the first sort of um, very obvious distinction between a society where people are being arranged to be married or forced to be married, where often it's not just the woman being forced to be married, it's the man and the woman. Sometimes it's just the woman, but sometimes it can be the man and the woman being forced to marry each other. Or or even arrange marriages where it's not forced, but there's a lot of heavy, heavy involvement and input, and it's a lot harder 
to get out of just socially because you know there will be social consequences. But in America where people choose marriage largely because they love the other person, it's really interesting to still see marriage as within this patriarchal dynamic instead of viewing well, the interesting thing is that I'm sure it does a couple of things, but one, and we're about to go through through the thread, but one of the interesting things that it does is that it removes your your individual agency and it makes the issues in your marriage a part of the larger issue of the so-called patriarchy. And there are differences between men and women, and some of those general differences do influence our marriage and can influence the, the happiness or the unhappiness in our marriage. But to attribute all of your problems to... It's, it would be bad enough, in a sense, to attribute all of your problems to, oh, that's the way men are, or, oh, that's the way women are. That would be bad enough because it still is valuable to look at the individual person that you're dealing with who is not only a gender, but they're also influenced by their personal upbringing and their culture and what they've been through in their own life, etc. So they're not just their gender, right? But also, it removes, I think it almost removes, in a sense, any ability to be, and I, I hate the word ob objective, you know, I don't really... I'm not really sure there is such a thing as true objectivity, but even to be as close to that as possible, because if you're always viewing everything through, not and again, not just gender and gender norms and gender stereotypes, but taking it to this other degree of oppression and patriarchy and men wanting to bring down women, then that becomes a real problem because then your your husband can almost never be himself in a sense he can never um it can never just be a mistake that he has done in fact i remember speaking to someone and they spoke about always feeling like they had and it was so interesting but always feeling like they had the burden of men on their shoulder because their wife would always tell them oh well that's that's what that's what a man would do oh men don't listen men this and men that so he never was able to just be fully his own individual stuff and just act within their individual dynamic instead of bringing the entire gender and the supposed patriarchy and the oppression of women into their marriage. And it puts men in a really strange situation where basically they can do nothing right, right? If everything is due to inherently him being male and being a part of the oppressive group, then he can basically do nothing right or, and I don't know if this is better or worse, or he'll be in this constant state of cowering to your to your request and whatever you think of him. Okay, he's of the oppressive group, so you are of the oppressed group, so whatever you say about him is true, and whatever he says about you, oh, that's just a manifestation of the patriarchy. Like, that's a really horrible dynamic to have instead of being two individuals. And again, of course, culture, gender, gender roles, gender norms, gender stereotypes, your upbringing, the society you're in, all of that is going to impact an individual, right? But to just say that one of those things sort of overwhelmingly um, contribute to the, 
to the dynamic of the marriage and to be as the man to see him as guilty before having to do anything just because he's a man. I don't see how that sets up a very healthy dynamic for a marriage. So I want to get to this lady's thread and then I am going to, maybe I'll go through it while I'm reading the thread. So this is a woman who's been married for 15 years and, okay, I think I forgot, I didn't copy her whole thread. I'm not going to bother to go back and I'm not going to give you guys the username because I don't think it's... I don't think there's any value in having a back and forth. Even when I wrote my tweet, I was just sort of generally talking about this phenomenon of the happily married angry feminist. And it is so interesting to me because I can understand someone who's in a miserable marriage or someone who's been in a miserable marriage and now is divorced or someone who's single and they've had a lot of bad experiences with men. I can understand them spewing this kind of rhetoric, right? Because... This, that would have been their personal experience with men. <laughs> but for your personal experience with men to be positive, and especially your most intimate relationship with your husband to be positive, yet you're still spewing the, this negative rhetoric amount around men and how oppressive they are, even though you say that your husband is loving and caring. And it's, it's very strange that it's one of the reasons that I really dislike feminism in yeah it's one of the reasons I really dislike feminism because because of this idea of the patriarchy patriarchy becomes this boogeyman that because you believe in it then you'll see it even if it's not there even if there's no evidence of it you will see it because you first believed in it right and that's really creepy and it turns into this sort of pseudo religion where it's like it doesn't matter how much evidence is put forth, like with the pay gap, the gender pay gap, no matter how much evidence is put forth that the gender pay gap is not comparing an individual employee to an individual employee and saying that they both just got hired at different wages because they're men and women. It's because men ask for it. There's so many different dynamics. Men ask for um, higher wages initially, men are more willing to compete. Sorry, not compete. What's the word? They're more willing to ask for a raise. They're more willing to, I forget the word, it's not compete, but when you basically go in, if they say it's $15 an hour and you're like, well, I want $18 an hour and you haggle between each other uh, until you get a higher wage than what was initially stated. It's also because men do work a bit more than women, longer hours than women. Men get into jobs that are higher paying than women. A lot of women are in the service industry. A lot of women work part-time, more so than men. So there are all of these dynamics that have nothing to do with gender. In fact, the one thing I would say that, or I shouldn't say that have nothing to do with gender because they are gender differences. It's a gender difference that women don't ask for raises as often as men. That is a gender difference. That's something we do differently than men. But there is no evidence to say that this is a part of the patriarchal plan to oppress women because this is what women are doing themselves, right? And especially in our time when everyone is telling women to get into STEM, but women are still choosing by and large to get into those more caring professions, women in general, 
love working with people. And I think there is something to be said about why we value working with tools more than working with people. I'm not I'm not on the other extreme and believe that there's no misogyny or no sexism in the world. Of course there is, but that the idea that there is this overarching patriarchy that is that attempts to oppress women in every single facet of their life. I don't, you know, and Allah Alam, I really don't believe that that is the makeup of the world. And I think very often when when feminists are showing so-called evidence of this, it's really just an out a manifestation of gender differences and not of men purposefully trying to oppress women. To give a silly example is when there was the the outcry, so to speak, over manspreading. And it's like, how can you say that this is a part of men, oh, men, this part of the patriarchy, men oppressing women, and men taking up so much space, and men feeling like they can, um, you know, take up more space than women, etc. And it's like, but you're actually forgetting the, the literal anatomy of men. That doesn't mean men have to be, you know, wide, their legs open extremely wide, but it's obvious that it would be more comfortable to, for them to have their legs open a little bit. And then there were men who eventually said, well, you know what? Women will have all their bags on the seat, right? So then so then it's like, okay, are we going to get into a tit for tat into what is just gender differences and then calling it oppression and patriarchy when it really is just men being different from women with and not having any sort of... Um, negative intention necessarily. And again, there are there are men who are misogynist, there's no doubt about it. But to say that that is in the blood that's in that's in their being, that's just a part of who they are, it's a part of the fabric of society. Often the evidence used for that is merely the differences between men and women and not men having any malicious attempt um intent to oppress women and especially in the west that's why i find it so so interesting especially in the west because there are societies that are very oppressive to women and a lot of those times that those societies aren't so great to men either some examples where people will say oh women aren't being educated but then you look around and the men aren't being educated either or they're being solely educated those who can afford it in religious studies, but there is no real education system for children. They just don't treat children well in general. And some of that is is also treating not treating women well as well. So let's get into this thread, inshallah. Again, I didn't, I forgot to, or I didn't get to copy all of it, but it's pretty long anyway without me having copied all of it. So she says, and this is a, a married woman, married for 15 years, happily married, this is her thread. My conditioning made me unconsciously complicit. For years, I did the labor eagerly, totally unaware and not wanting any credit, just making re the relationship go well. Just wanted to make things nice for him, family, friends. Only occasionally did I think, hey, I'm doing a lot here. So... There is this idea that feminists have been talking about a lot in recent years of the invisible labor of women. There's a specific word and I can't 
I can't quite remember it. I don't think it's emotional labor that is a part of it, but and it was there was a really good article from the Guardian in this regard. And I do think it's valuable to realize this, but I think it's I think that we don't understand how difficult this is to correct because we don't understand that this is something that simply women want to do. We think of it as men are being oppressive and the patriarchy and they force us to do more of this domestic work and they force us to take over more of the child care. But really and truly, there are so many women who, even if they ask their husbands to do something in the household, they'll come back and correct him. There was, there was a really funny TED Talk where she spoke about how much time women spend correcting the chores their men did. And I think we should, in that language of correcting, we should really also hear women feeling like we are superior in certain realms. And and so we feel like we can correct and say the proper way the proper way that things ought to be in certain realms. And the domestic realm has been our realm for centuries. So while I do here's the thing too, because women are working, that's probably also why there is a an awareness of how much more work we do in the domestic sphere. Because if you were solely in the domestic sphere and that was your world and your husband was solely the breadwinner and that was his world, I do feel that a lot of women would feel there was more justice and more equality just in the sense of, okay, he has his role and he's going out there and working or in older times he's going out there and hunting and I'm here, I'm taking care of the children, I'm cooking and cleaning and all that. And this is just my world. So I think there probably is even a less of an ex- of an expectation on the husband because this is like this is your domain. So helping here and there, of course, is always going to be appreciated, but there's a way that you get things done. Just as if you were go if you were gonna go into your husband's office you wouldn't expect or he wouldn't expect you to help him with his work right that's his world and if you did help him he probably would have to come behind and correct you in something because he knows how things work in that world right so I think a part of the issue is that we went into these so-called 50-50 marriages where women are working and being breadwinners and participating fully in in sort of the the income of the household and putting in their 50% or the 60 or 40 or whatever something close to 50-50 and then realizing oh wait this isn't actually a 50-50 marriage because I'm still doing most of the work at home and so the funny thing to me is that instead of taking a step back some women have done this but not many feminists those who do this aren't aren't usually allowed the title of feminism, instead of taking a step back and saying, you know what, maybe feminists were wrong about this idea of work being empowering, or maybe we were wrong about the the idea that a household can truly be 50-50. Instead of saying that, now they're saying men need to help 50-50 in the household. And, you know, Individually, if that's the kind of marriage you want, I think it's fine, and hopefully you can work towards that with your husband. But that's not something you can control societally. Like you can't, you can 
try as best as possible to control people's wages and make sure women get equal pay, which and the Equal Pay Act was passed in the 60s. So whenever women are talking about equal pay, I literally don't know what they want because the Equal Pay Act was already passed 40, 50 years ago. So I don't know what more they want instead of, um, not instead of, but except they want to actually I don't know, somehow force companies to pay everyone exactly the same, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. And that could be man or woman. The woman can sometimes be making more, right? Um, and even, you know, there. I, I probably talked about this in another podcast or on the blog by thefigintheoutlook.com. But there was, I think it's the CEO of Reddit or something, not the one that's married to Serena Williams. There's a woman that at least was running it a couple years ago, then she decided to not allow employees to do overtime. (laughs) So this was her step in the direction of creating equal pay because, I mean, at least she was honest enough to acknowledge that this is one of the reasons men get paid more because they work more. But the solution to me is so unjust in saying that, okay, now no one can work more. You know, no one gets to work more because then some people will make more than others. <laughs> and it's like, what in a merit-based society, or, you know, so-called merit-based society, shouldn't that be exactly how it goes? If you work more, if you work harder, or you work smarter, or you bring more value to your job, you should get paid more? So to arbitrarily say, no, everyone must be equal, so no one can work more if they want to, It's just crazy, especially when people have different life situations. If you're a man and you just had a baby and your wife just had a baby, then it would be really valuable for you to pick up those extra hours. If you're a single man and you're trying to save up so you can get married, then it would be really valuable for you to have extra hours. If you're a woman who just had a baby herself, it would be really valuable to you if you could have flex time, if you could work less hours. Or depending, it could, it may be really valuable to you to work more hours, you know, it's at some point in your pregnancy. Everyone's going to be different and have different reasons as to why they can or cannot or do or do not want to work more hours. So to take it away from everyone is just unjust. So let's go on with this thread. She says, I can't blame him. He didn't ask for the emotional labor, although he did benefit, which is why stats show more married men are happier and live longer than single men. Married women are not as happy as single women, but married women are afforded a much higher status in society. So there was a, there's research on happiness that shows that women today are less happy. Oh, it's called the paradox of something like the paradox of women's happiness. Women today are less happy than women in the 1970s. And the researchers, they give a lot of possible reasons for why that may be. But I think it's obvious that one of the reasons, and one of the reasons why I do feel that modern marriage really doesn't benefit women, it benefits men more so, because women take on, continue to take on most of the domestic work and I think that's in part, yes, it's in part because that's what we're expected to do. Yes, it's in part because our husbands aren't going to do it. But it's also in part because we like doing it, right? It's very rare that a woman is going to be in a household and not, 
you know, decorate it nicely or not even if occasionally want to bake an apple pie, right, <laughs> you know, um, or want to make nice dinner and, and all of that stuff. We really enjoy doing that sort of thing. And, and that's sort of the funny thing to me, too, is like, yes, we may call it emotional labor, taking on more of the domestic work. And absolutely, I do believe that can become, that can feel unjust when you're also working, right? So you're essentially doing two jobs, the, the so-called second shift as it, as it was labeled some time ago. But at the same time, there's a lot of that work that women enjoy doing, right? A lot of women, if not most, enjoy taking care of their children. They enjoy cooking and enjoy cleaning to some degree. You know, maybe you don't always enjoy the process, right? But you enjoy seeing a clean house, enjoy organizing, and also enjoy having the authority in those realms, right? So you are, um, you are, what's the word? I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of, but essentially that as the woman in some roles and you are the expert, you're the authority. I think some women enjoy that as well, you know? Don't hold the baby like that. Hold him like this. No, he can't eat that. He's supposed to eat this, right? So there is a certain level of authority that comes with that that I do think women actually enjoy and don't want to let go of because that is power also. It's interesting that we only see power as what we have in the outside world, which most of us don't have much power in the outside world. Um, but in the domestic realm, we see we don't see power in that way. We don't see the woman being the, the authority on all of these these uh, domestic issues in the household, we don't see that as power, but, but why, you know? And that sort of is misogyny from the feminist uh, point of view because it's saying that really anything associated with women is inherently powerless, which is, again, why I hate this idea of patriarchy and women are just oppressed by men because it it turns everything into that narrative so even when something clearly doesn't fit that narrative it turns it into that anyway because that is what they believe on the outset so everything is going to be colored by that she goes on which is why women can't <clears throat> win here in the patriarchy in marriages when we set up to participate in a certain kind of labor exploitation Single women are treated like pariahs. Unmarried moms are viewed with scorn, plus have to do all the labor of parenting, plus holding down the family. So <laughs> this dynamic of, well, yeah, if you say that women are inherently oppressed in the patriarchy, then obviously they can't win, right? But that's your rhetoric. That's your belief. That's not true. That's not how everyone sees the world. Many people... And I want to write an essay soon, inshallah, entitled, actually, I won't say what's it, what it is entitled, but talking about the fact that in sort of my defense of patriarchy, it's not defending men. It's not saying that men are better than women. No, a part of that defense is so that women are protected by men, which in my community, in the in the in the African-American community, then 70% of women are unwed mothers. And that's uh, stressful. That's struggle. That's a hardship. That's, that's not 
the kind of life any little girl aspires to. And that's not the kind of life that women should be handed. And in a so-called patriarchy or the the idea of men having certain roles, especially quote-unquote leadership roles, right? Then they get to be sort of a cover, a protection for women, the provider for women, so that women can, whenever they want to, see, sometimes I hate the language around some of this stuff, but anyways, so that women can fall back, quote-unquote, and raise their children when they want to, when they feel they need to, when it feel when they feel it would be best for them or the children, and not have the stress of having to do everything. And that's far more than our modern society has provided for women. In the 1960s and 70s, then a then women and and black women in particular, you could be guaranteed that you were going to be married and you were going to have a family that's taken care of. And even if you also had to work, which yes, black women's black women's employment numbers have always been higher than white women. But even back then, black women worked a lot less than white women. So there I've done this research but I don't have it in front of me, but there's a year, it's probably earlier than the 1960s, I don't remember where the employment rate for black women is like 40% and the employment rate for white women is like 5% or something extremely low. So we know that that black women, um, a lot of them still worked, but even that's better working. And, and a lot of women, a lot of them also were close to their extended family. So they had help in that way too. But even working and having some financial support from the father of your child, from your husband, is better than having to do everything by yourself, right? So now I can say I agree with the idea, though I don't really know that it's that it's true in 2019, but I do agree with the idea that we shouldn't treat single people poorly or treat them like, as she said, like pariahs. Um, obviously not. I think, especially in our society where there's so much divorce, I think it's a, it has become an accomplishment to get married and stay married, right? Something that people took for granted 40, 50, 60 years ago. Today in our society, it is an accomplishment to get married and stay married because a lot of people are not able to accomplish that. However, if someone is single, obviously they shouldn't be treated poorly, but that kind of goes without saying. And however poorly single women are treated in this society, it has, our society has definitely created a space, even for the idea of being a single adult, singlehood. Our, our society has created a space for that. And yes, once you're in your 30s, 40s, then people are going to be um, people are going to expect you to be married, right? But there are a lot of spaces in which there are just so many single people that it's relatively normal. So I didn't realize how long this podcast is at this point, and there's so much more in her thread that we didn't go through. But I. Okay.
yeah, I really don't want to make this very crazy long. So the last thing I'll say is that I, I guess in the past year or so that I discovered this internet movement called, what is it called? Black Women's Empowerment. And it actually, I mean, it still somewhat exists today, but it actually, the height of the movement was in the early 2010s. And one of the things that the movement talks about that I do think is valuable is this idea that black women feel, and I'm sorry, I know this word sounds super insulting, but the idea that, that some, or even in general, that black women feel that they have to mule for other people. And that is essentially that even if you're happy, even if your life is going well, because you're black, you have to put everyone on your back and you have to fight for other people and you have to fight against oppression. Even though your life is great, even though you're in a marriage that's great, you still have to acknowledge the so-called patriarchy and sexism and that marriage isn't an accomplishment and all of this other rhetoric because it's almost like you feel or you've been made to feel more comfortable with struggle. So you have to find it even if it's not there. And I think that this is a case of that. And I know that that movement, they do use a lot of language that is inflammatory and insulting. So I, I shouldn't even use the word mule. I should have just defined it. But I, I think that's a valid point. And that's not to say that you don't care about other people. But for someone in a position where they feel they have to use their voice, whatever, and they are happily married, I don't know why they wouldn't use that to talk about how you can have a good marriage, how you can have a long-lasting marriage, how black women, how more black women in particular can get married when the community, most black women aren't married. And whatever you feel about marriage, you know that it's better to have a husband who's helping to take care of you and your children instead of doing it all by yourself. And one thing that my dad has said in the past is that raising a child, it's very simple, but raising a child is a two-person job at least. So to be a single mother and trying to raise a child, of course it's going to be a great difficulty. So we should be trying to promote more marriages in the black community. So I don't see what, what benefit it's doing by degrading marriage and sort of associating, associating it with oppression and patriarchy. When we live in the West, no, no one bullied you into getting married. Now, can you say there is a social impetus, a social encouragement to get married? To some degree, it's still there. You know, to some degree, but every day I hear people talking about marriage in a negative light. So I can't say it's 50-50 that people are pro-marriage and against marriage. Maybe it's more like 70% pro-marriage and 30% pro-marriage. And that's kind of more so just because of a lot of the old sentiment. Like you won't hear so many people actively be pro-marriage unless it's like a conservative but in general people will have very nuanced answers oh well marriage is good for some people or marriage is not good for everyone etc or they'll be very negative so uh, sometimes I feel like like feminists purposefully want to be stuck in the past and I've heard people or sorry read people write about 
how feminists have like third wave or I don't know if it's fourth wave feminism where they've made it so that they've created a problem that cannot be fixed and while not everyone who's a feminist is making money it you know it just sort of in a sense it keeps them in business right so if you can make it so that people believe in the patriarchy no matter how good society is no matter how good society treats women there will always be the because you have that lens then everything can be colored with that lens so men simply spreading their legs a little wider than women on a train that is an issue that's a part of the patriarchy that's a part of oppression you can see it wherever you want to see it because you believe in it and and that that creates a lot of tension also between men and women and it makes it harder for people even happily married people to just be happily married they have to still see the world through this lens of oppression and patriarchy and the last thing I'll say which I think I said earlier is that a lot of women whatever feminists want to say about marriage a lot of women still want to be married so what is the point of all of this rhetoric right are you trying to convince them that marriage isn't actually valuable? Like, what it, What's the purpose behind it? Because most women still want to be married, and especially black women who just don't have a lot of options. So instead of spending so much time on this, we can talk about how marriages can be improved. And a part of that, a part of the way that marriages, just in a general sense, can be improved it's just people being as honest as possible but the reality is that there's some research i was doing on this that men will say they're happy to have marriages that are equal but the reality is that when they get married then women take on more of that domestic labor and i do think that's in part not because men are asking for it but because we've been doing it for so long there's some of it that we want to do that we don't want to give over to them that we don't think they do as well as we do and also because of yes also socialization this is what we have not actively been taught to do especially not in our time but we've seen our mothers do it our aunties do it. it's a part of being a woman it's what we do in our culture we take on certain roles and expectations so it's very difficult and it's a part of the reason why I promote and am completely for traditional marriage because that way he's fully doing what he's supposed to do and you fully get to be in your world and do what you're supposed to do and you don't have to worry about him doing or not doing in the domestic sphere and he doesn't have to worry about you doing or not doing when it comes to bringing in an income. If you bring in a little income, great. If you don't, doesn't matter. If he helps out with the chores a bit, great. If he doesn't, doesn't matter because you guys fully are in your roles. And that, for me, is a better version of equality or maybe equity than the idea of trying to force people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. The, the last, last note I'll make is that I wrote about this on the blog before, that even on this issue of equality, then there has been research found that when men do chores that are more associated with the feminine, then women are less attracted to them. So the man doing something like laundry, um, 
I don't think cooking was one of them. I'm not sure about washing dishes. I don't remember. But things that are closely associated with feminine tasks or things that women do, then women were actually less attracted to them. So it's it's a very funny thing of thinking we want certain things and maybe we actually don't. Everyone, you know, individually, everyone is going to have to figure out their own marriage and what makes them happy and deal with the individual in that marriage. But in a general societal level, it is clear that women are taking on too much. But what is that thing that we have taken on within the last few decades? It's work, working out, working in the public sphere. That's the task, that's the burden that has been newly taken on by women. And whatever other things may be associated with it, back in the 1970s when there were much less women working and and there were more women solely focused on the domestic sphere or primarily focused on the domestic sphere, women were happier. So maybe there's something to be said about that. Thank you for listening. Inshallah ta'ala, be sure to follow us on social media, Fig and Olive blog, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, wherever you want, and check out our blog by thefigandtheolive.com. Also, please, if you enjoy our work, we'd really appreciate if you became a patron. When you become a patron, then you are able to support our work our work on a consistent basis and so that would really really be helpful thank you for listening and take care